Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist. My name is Pastor Brad, senior pastor here at First Baptist, and I want to welcome all of you here in the sanctuary, as well as those of you listening online and in the venue as well. Um, If you here have a bulletin, take that out. You'll find an outline inside of there. You'll see from the cover we are on a series called uh, Family Portrait, God's Design for Marriage, for Family, and Relationships. So last week we talked a little bit about the marriage relationship, as we will this week as well. Uh, The next couple weeks, though, we're going to be talking a little bit more about parenting and family. Um, And let me just say this, even if you are not married or you are currently not a a parent, uh, God's Word on these subjects uh, always ties back to our relationship with Him. That's kind of where it it, it goes because we are children of God, even as we sang here in the sanctuary about the bride and we're coming, he's coming soon for us, the groom, we as a church are his people and there's that relationship like a married couple, like we are married to God as said, and even Francine read that out of Revelation 21. Uh, And so the passage we are reading today out of Ephesians chapter 5 interweaves that concept. I mean, so much so that there are times when you're saying, okay, is he talking about a husband and wife, or is he talking about Christ and the church when he's sharing this? And the answer really is both. Uh, Paul, when he addresses the church in Ephesians chapter 5, is dressing those, and he's kind of got a parallel track going on. Uh, And so the principles that are here today are for everyone. They are life-changing, no matter the stage of life that you are in. Married, single, parent, grandparent, not a parent at all. Uh, And so if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn to Ephesians chapter 5, The verses that we're going to look at today are are some interesting ones because they are ones that get the most twisted, I believe, in our culture today. They are some of the ones that get the most um, usage for justifying some behavior. Uh, I I believe our society kind of mucks these up with our, our culture and the media and what they say about these verses. They are some of the least understood And yet some of the most volatile passages in the Bible when the culture tries to interpret them, not as God gives them to us and reading them from his word. And so we addressed this a little bit last week when we talked about 1 Peter. Today we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 5. And specifically we're looking at verses 22 through 33. But let me read to you kind of where Paul ends up. Let me start there, where he ends. Because here's what he said. He says... However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, that's out of the ESV. By the way, can I just ask, how many of you uh, follow us often with the ESV in here? You just lift up your hands? Okay. How many of you read out the NIV? Uh, NIV? Okay, okay. Today I'm going to take us through the NIV verse on this one because I I think it's just translated a little stronger, and my belief is how Paul really emphasized this. Look at what it says in the NIV of this verse. It says, however, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So there's a little bit more of an emphasis there. It's almost as though it's a command that Paul is giving to us that you need to have this love, you need to have this respect in your relationship. 
There's a great book, in fact, my wife and I have led this class a number of times called Love and Respect. It's a DVD video series, but the book is called Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egrich. And in the book, he gives this um, crazy cycle as you see it listed on your outline. Let me explain it to you very quickly. What the crazy cycle says is that without love, she or the wife reacts without respect. And without respect, then the husband or the man reacts without love. And thus the cycle continues on and on and on. Without love, then she reacts without respect. Without that respect, he reacts without love. And without that love, then she reacts without respect. And without that respect, he reacts without that love. Any of you ever been on the crazy cycle or seen anybody on the crazy cycle? Yes. Okay? That is just, it's a great description of what often happens in relationships, often here in 2016. But it was happening way back there in the biblical days as well. And so these two main points are simply what Paul is telling us here today out of Ephesians 5.33, and that is, husbands, you must love your wives, and wives, you must respect your husbands. And we're going to break apart what that looks like and just what that means. And so let me just give you, those are the two points of the message here today. Wives, and you can write this down, wives, give your husband the respect he needs. Given the respect he needs. Let me read verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, men, let me just kind of clarify a point here. When we read this, you know, submit as to the Lord, let me just say this. You ain't the Lord, okay? All right? Okay, there's only one Lord, and we ain't it, all right? So so let's just establish that first and foremost, okay? What is surprising about this uh, verse, though, as we go back and we see this, wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord, if you trail it back to the original Greek, the word submit is actually not in verse 22. So you look at it, you say, where was that put in, and why was it put in? Let me explain it to you. When Paul was writing these verses, as any biblical writer is there writing these verses, he did not say, okay, verse 17, and then write it down. Verse 18, write it down. Verse 19, write it down. Verse 21, write it down. 22, write it down. It wasn't like that. In fact, the chapters weren't even divided as they are. Those are just there to help us. And I actually think it's a bit of a disservice how this was broken apart, even though the words are still all kind of flowing together, because many times we don't include verse 21 with the thought on verse 22. And so in the Greek, they flow together. And let me show you what it actually says. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, wives to husbands as to the Lord. Now, that's what it says. Now, you'll see that that's in place here. Verse 21, if you have your Bibles, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But then there's kind of this gap. And many times, verse 21 won't get put into the passage going through 22 through, 20, through 33. But it's there. And so, should we submit? Yes, because that's what Paul meant by that. Yes, wives should submit to their husbands. But it's in the same way that we also submit to, what does verse 21 say? 
one another as to, out of reverence to Christ. So bring that thought through as we go through this whole passage. Yes, just as you submit to one another out of reverence to Christ, wives, you should submit to your husbands. Husbands, you should love your wife. And then there's the parallels that go into chapter 6 and um, uh, further into chapter 6, where it's having to deal with parent and child relationships, where it's having to par- uh, deal with slaves and masters as well. And then what Paul emphasizes is where he goes at the very end, and he kind of summarizes it. That's what I read to you at the very beginning, which is, however, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. And so let me say it this way. A husband needs respect just as a wife needs love. That is liberating, guys, for you to understand that, and and women, for you to know that. Because that, you may not be thinking that way. You just think of a marriage relationship. It's all about love. Oh, no, no, no. It's about love and respect. And these two elements here in a marriage are as essential to us living and breathing, to us having air to breathe. A woman needs love in a relationship like she needs air to breathe and survive, just as a man needs respect in a relationship that he has, so that he may have like the air to breathe and survive. What often happens, unfortunately, let me just put you on the context of maybe your living room couch. Maybe the wife is sitting there watching a show, reading a book, doing her nails, whatever she may be doing there, and the husband kind of trudges on in. Let's compare you to a big elephant, okay? Because oftentimes we do that. You just trumple, trumple, trumple on in, and you sit down on the couch, and you look over at your wife, and she looks back over at you, and you're just kind of there lollygagging around, and what you don't realize is that maybe you have sat on her air hose, okay? You don't know it. doesn't really occur to you. She doesn't really think about it at first, but then all of a sudden, you see her over there going, right? Okay, and she's, she's collapsing because she hasn't gotten any air because you're sitting on her air hose. You have not given her the love that she needs, desperately needs. Same illustration goes the other way, though. Maybe, men, you're sitting there, you're doing your thing on the couch, you're watching a show, you're doing whatever, and your wife, let's not put her as an elephant, let's call her a gazelle, okay? She's a gazelle. And she just kind of trumples on through the house, and she sits down next to you, and maybe at first you don't realize it, but after a while, it's like, she's not respecting me. She has closed off your air hose, and you cannot breathe any longer in that relationship because you don't feel that respect from her. That's what Paul is talking about here in verse 33. He says, that must be a part of your relationship. Love and respect. Love and respect. And he first of all goes after the wives and says, wives, you must respect your husband. That's the air that allows them to breathe in that relationship. In fact, can I just be honest with you for a second here? A man, let me explain to you one of the, one of the men's deep, dark secrets that we have. Maybe we don't communicate much. Maybe we don't even think about we have this. But understand this. Men are haunted by the thought of being a failure and losing respect of those around them. Maybe we don't verbalize that, but it is there. In fact, many times it's even within our identity of of the things that we do. That that, that sense of, of, of if I fail or if this doesn't go right, I'm a failure and I lose the respect of the people around me. To be respected is at the root of of, of, uh, the male endeavor. 
It is just interwoven into our lives. In fact, do you remember the song, R-E-S-P-E-C-T? Remember that? Who was that sung by? Aretha Franklin, right? She's a woman, though. Do you know that, that, that she made that fam- song famous and sang that song, but do you know who wrote that song? Anyone? Otis Redding. Otis Redding. There's your Jeopardy uh, clue for the day, right? You take that on, you win $68,000. That, that's some Motown knowledge right there. Otis Redding, who was a man, wrote that song. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. That's what we need. That, 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 that's what a man needs. All right, we're going to get very practical here today because I just explained the concept as Paul gives it to us. Let's then get into the YBH. Yes, but how? How do I do that? How do I show him, first of all, wives, how do I show my husband <coughs> respect? Let me give you a few thoughts. You can write these down, maybe shorthand them if you like. Some of them are longer sentences, but here's the first one. Be appreciative. Be appreciative, and and, and in specific ways, about his job, about his personality, about who he is. And I realize this is a tough one in our day and age. In 2016, in a a year, and, and when we live with sitcoms that just belittle the men. You watch those sitcoms. They will belittle men time and time again. Commercials do the same thing. Kind of make the man out to be the buffoon in, in, in the commercials and the one that gets kind of laughed at. In fact, I really became aware of this a number of years ago when I was reading my kids the book. Uh, remember the Bernstein Bears? Any, you remember those? Yeah, you may be reading to your kids or your grandkids or such. But, but you watch. You, you watch how those stories flow. Oftentimes, it's the dad the husband at the end of the story who's learning the lesson right along with the kids or he does something that's just kind of mucked up and he doesn't get it right and so he's having to learn the lesson. Maybe even sometimes the kids are showing dad what he did wrong and the mom's showing dad what he did wrong and I'm not wanting to get down on those books. Those are, those are good. Those are fun books. There are cartoon series on PBS and all that but just watch. Many times it kind of belittles the dad or the men in our culture. Media often does that. I still remember where I was, the day of the week this was, the time of the day, in fact, it was, when my wife first verbally said to me, hey, you know what, I, I respect what you do and who you are. Now, I, I didn't have a problem with that. I didn't think that she had been disrespecting me at any time in our relationship, but this was the first time she said it verbally to me. And some 10, 12 years later, I still remember where I was and what we were doing. The day of the week it was when she said that to me the first time. You know why? I look back on that now because it put air into my lungs because I felt respect from her. Let me give you another thought here. Be careful. Be careful with criticism. Be careful with criticism. Last week I quoted uh, Ruth Graham, the wife of Billy Graham. Let me give you another quote from her. She says, wives, God has not put you on this planet to make your husbands humble. It's not your responsibility. You don't need to do that. In fact, most marriages die from a thousand tongue cuts rather than one big blow. Just slicing and dicing things that we can do with our tongues. Let me give you another thought. Uh, write affirming cards or notes to them. Write them an affirming card or note. 
You fill in the gaps. In fact, you know what? The worst thing I, I want for this is for this just to kind of be a generic message of sorts. I want you to fill this in. I want you to say, okay, there's my husband. What can I give? What can I do for them? What, how can I show them respect and put that into play? Let me, uh, let me just explain kind of that concept just a little bit. I heard recently about a pastor who was doing a wedding. And um, he, he was kind of a, a bigger church pastor, a little more formal than we do here. And, and actually on the day when he got asked to do a wedding, he was also speaking at a conference. And so he was at a conference in another city, but he knew he had this uh, wedding in the afternoon. And so he finishes up the conference in the morning. He gets on the airplane, flies back to the airport. He hits the ground running, drives his car, trying to get to church. He, he feels like he's kind of late because the flight had come late. He's trying to call the receptionist. He doesn't get through to her, but he gets there right about the time that the wedding should be starting. He gets to the church, pulls into the parking lot, um, still can't reach the receptionist, kind of screeches into the handicap zone, parks there, runs backstage, puts on his robe, comes out from the side, and is ready to go right as the bride is walking down the aisle. He thinks, great, you know, everybody's kind of stood, everybody's kind of looking back at her, I'll just slip right in here, thank you, Lord, I'm ready to go. And everything feels cool, feels right, until he realizes he has absolutely no clue what their names are. There's no idea. He hasn't done the rehearsal and um, uh, the counseling was done by one of his associates. And here he is now in front of this packed crowd. He's got these two starry-eyed lovers. He's got the, the, the husband and the wife coming, or, or the soon-to-be husband and wife. He's got the mom and dad, the grandparents on one side, mom and dad, grandparents on the other side. The church is looking at him. And he has got no clue, no clue the names of these people. In fact, he comes to the place where he's getting ready to ask the father who gives this woman to be married to this man. And he's thinking, who is this woman and who is this man? I don't know who they are. Well, he, he kind of has a flair for the dramatic, and, and he pulled it off well when he came to the place about the vows. He's supposed to use her names, but he says, do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife, and do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? And he kind of gets through that, and he realizes, though, he's still got to introduce the couple at the end. What is he going to say? And I don't know how I would have pulled this off, but here's what he did. He kind of, you know, has a flair for the dramatic. He stands in front of the congregation at the very end. He tells the people to stand, and he says, as he clears his throat, he says, God on this day has made this man a husband, and on this day has made this woman a wife, and I present them to you for the first time on the planet Earth, husband and wife, and they walk out. <laughs> And, you know, the organ's kind of swelling. The people are clapping and all that. Nobody knew that he could not remember their names. Didn't have a clue. I don't want that for your relationship. I want you to get specific. I want you to do something for John. I want you to do something for Jennifer, whoever you're married to. I want you to be thinking about them as you're looking at some of these ideas and put down your own thoughts as well. How do I respect him? So let me go back and read. Now that we've kind of come to some of these thoughts about this, and I'm going to pick it up in verse 21 again. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. 
And, and you know, there's the word submit. It's kind of coming through those verses. If you're still having a problem with the word submit, let me give you a great quote from uh, Beth Moore in the War Room. Many of us saw the War Room last September. We went together and enjoyed a time as a church family watching the movie theater. Here's what she says. She says, women, wives, submitting is simply ducking so God can hit your husband. (laughs) Ouch, right? And yet we need that. We don't need that from the wives. Just let God deal with us. And so they're saying, okay, get out of his way. Let God deal with this. Wives, you just, you just submit as to the Lord. That's, that's, that's your role in all this. Now, you would be a stupid husband if you did not take her concerns in, if you did not listen to her, if you did not talk with her, if you did not consult with her. We're not talking about just, I'm going to do everything. That's not at all what this means. Remember what we said in verse 21, out of reverence for Christ, as you do with one another, you don't just trample over everybody in your relationship. You certainly don't do that with your wife. So that, as Christ, you, you, you love your wife, you respect your wife's wives, you submit your husbands in the midst of that. And, and let me go through this now and say, okay, here comes the role for the husbands, all right? So we've heard a little bit for the wives. That's what we're doing. That's how you can give us respect. Let's talk now about husbands. What do we do? How do we show love to our wives? And the first thing I wrote down there was just exactly what Paul says. Husbands, give your wife the re- love that she needs. Give her the love that she needs. And that comes out of verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And this is brilliant by Paul. Because Paul looks at this and says, all right, I realize that... um, Women don't have a lot of rights. And we talked about it a little bit last week. First century, women did not have a lot of rights. They could be divorced for any kind of a whim that the husband wanted to divorce. They could even be legally killed in many ways um, for doing something wrong in a relationship. So they didn't have a lot of rights in the Greco-Roman world that we are in in this first century. And so Paul comes in and says, all right, all right, men, God has given you the leadership. And we think, yes. But then he says, but you need to lead like Jesus would lead. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a little different. That's what it is, though. Look at verse 25 again. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Okay, let's ask the question then. How did he love the church? Well, let's write this down, down the bottom of the page. This is how Christ loved the church. He loved the church by giving. With the love that is giving. Let me, let me follow the passage. Wives, excuse me, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And here it is. And gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. To present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In fact, if you're taking notes, would you just circle in your Bible or on your outline that phrase, gave himself up for her? Let's focus in on that for just a second. Man, I think God wired you to do this. And I am sure, I am sure if I would ask any of you men, what would you do for your wife? You would say, I would do anything for her. I would even take a bullet for her. 
I'm sure you'd say that. But do you realize that's not what your wife wants from you? It's not this great heroic bravery that matters to her in your relationship as much as it is the daily little acts of love. That's what she looks for. That's what she needs. Guys, it's not this grand, you know, charge the mountain with the Calvary up the top, heroic type of event, as much as it is you doing the little things on a daily, regular basis. That's what brings life to her. That's what allows her to be radiant in your relationship. Say, okay, give me a YBH. Yes, but how? Let me give you one. Learn to say no. Learn to say no to some non-family obligations that you might have. Things that you're doing that you can say no to. Love is not spelled O-O-V-E many times. It's spelled T-I-M-E. The time that you spend with your wife as well. And, And not just, you know, quality time, but also quantity time. I know many people are like, oh, you know, I give her the quality, quality time. No, don't believe that lie. It's quality over quantity. It's some of both. And there are different seasons that you share that, you do that. Sometimes they're busier than others. She'll understand that. She'll get that if you're just trying to make that time for her. But you've got to say no to some things that are not mandatory so that you can say yes to being with her. In fact, let me have a promise. Men, can you say no? Just say no. Yeah, that was pretty pathetic. All right, let's do it again. Okay, ready? Ready? Follow me on it. Men, let's say it. Say no. Give me one more time. No. Are you saying no that you can't say no, or are you saying no? You're saying no. Okay, good. You can say it. You can do it. Okay? Author and pastor uh, Jim Burns once spoke at an event for pastors, and um, as he started to talk to the men who were there, He said this, he said, "Um, guys, 15 years ago, I had an affair. And all the men were just like, whoa. And it got really quiet in there because nobody had heard about this affair. And then he says, and it was not with another woman. And then it got really awkward and quiet in there. And he said, and it was not with another man. He said, I had an affair with my job, and it almost cost me my marriage. And he challenged those guys. He said, guys, you've got to give priority to your marriage. And those pastors knew, I know what he's talking about, because the job can just take up so much time and so much energy and so much effort. At the end of the day, you have to be able to have some of that for your relationship at home as well. And here's what he said. Never forget this. He had a great quote. He said, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And there are some men in here that maybe you're not bad, but you're too busy. You've got to step back from that. You've got to be able to show love. You've got to be able to say no to some things. You've got to be able to prioritize your relationship with your wife, and if you're married, with your family as well. You got to step out and you got to say and learn to say no at times. Let me give you another thought on this. YBH. Yes, but how? Ask, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? How can I show you love? You know, I think about what Jesus did when he washed his disciples' feet. 
Greatest act he could have done except for the cross. As he gets down, takes out his outer garment, garment and washes the feet of his disciples. There's a little bit of that thought in here. The washing of another person. And Jesus asks us to do that for one another. How much more do we need to do that symbolically for our wives? Ask, what, what can I do for you? Let me give you another one. Major on forgiveness and a fresh start. Maybe there just needs to be some forgiveness that comes to their relationship and a fresh start to begin again. You know, last week we baptized 15 people. And that such, such great poetic symbolism of forgiveness that comes with being baptized, of a fresh start that happens, um, a clean start in relationships. Uh, the part I kind of liked hearing at our staff meeting when we reviewed what they did was that the baptisms were later at the services, and so Pastor Derek and Pastor Mark were actually able to meet with each of the people just in the back room before they were baptized and say, you know, this is not an ending point. This is a beginning point. This is a starting line. So what's your next step? What are you going to do right after this? Where are you going to grow? What kind of things are you going to do differently in your relationship now with, that you have a relationship with God now? I give the same thing for each of us. As we've heard this message, and maybe you realize, I've not been loving my, life, my wife the way I should. I've been not loving my husband and respecting him the way I should. What's going to be your next step that you need to put into place? Well, how else did Jesus love the church? Let me give you another one here. With a love that is nurturing. With a love that is nurturing. That's how he loved the church. Verse 28 through 30. It says it like this on the back page. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Let me, let me challenge you. This is the challenge. The challenge is to love your wife as you do your own body. You say, okay, well, how is that done? Look at the phrase that we highlighted, feeds and cares for it. In fact, circle that phrase, feeds and cares for it. There's this idea of the regular food that you put in, caring for your body, the regular exercise that you, that you care for your body, exercising, feeding. How do you do that into a relationship? Let me give you some thoughts. The YBH, have a weekly date night. A time when you prioritize and you're just together, your weekly day. Maybe it's even nights when you go out on walks and you're just able to talk and share as you're getting a little bit of exercise. Whatever it does to be able to come together and to be able to model this as you're nurturing your relationship on a daily, on a weekly basis as well. Let me give you another thought. Get control of the TV. Okay? Now, men, I did not say get the TV control, right? The remote control, that's not what I was getting after there. Get control of the TV is what I was getting after there. That is, don't let it be the third member of your marriage. Don't let it speak more into your life at the end of the day than you speak to one another. Turn it off at times. It's an invited guest in your home, and sometimes you need to say, would you please leave so I may have time with my spouse? Do that. Get control of the TV. And the last thing I put down underneath this one was learn each other's love languages. And uh, I've shared messages and thoughts about this, so I won't go further, but it has to do with the words or the gifts or the acts of service or the time or the touch that you give to one another. And if you don't know about those love languages, simply Google 
five love languages. And men, if you don't know your wife's love language, you're missing something. And ladies, if you do not know your husband's love language, you're really missing a key part here. So I just challenge you, Google that and uh, it'll explain it. And then you need to look at how that fits into your relationship. Valuable, valuable tool to put into practice. Lastly, how did Jesus love the church? With a love that is exclusive. A love that is exclusive. Look what it says in verse 31. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one what? One flesh. There's this idea of leaving and cleaving. You leave your mother and father, you cleave to your wife, and that forms a bond that cannot be broken, that cannot be separated, that now is in one flesh together. And so, men, let me just put this to you. You need to be a one-woman man. One woman only. That's not having your mom in the midst of a relationship, your dad in the midst of a relationship. That's not having other friendships that are above that relationship. That's certainly not having another female that's above that relationship. In fact, if you spend more time with a female at work, you better not be pouring into her or sharing things that are going on at home or sharing more thoughts and feelings with her than you are with your wife at home. That will create a lot of trouble. You need to be a one-woman man. There are no other options for you. Because as soon as your mind goes to a place of saying, wow, she really gets me, or she's, she's younger, she's cuter, she doesn't nag like I have at home, as soon as those thoughts start coming into your mind, Satan will take those and run with them, and I just have to say, cut that off at the source. No, 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 no. The grass is not always greener on the other side of the fence. It may look that way for a while. I'll tell you where the grass is greener. The grass is greener where you water it and where you fertilize it. That's where the grass is greener. Okay? And you need to be a one-woman man. There are no other options. Make sure she is loved by you and loved exclusively by you. Divorce is not an option. Someone else is not an option. You just don't even go that way. YBH. Yes, but how? Let's put this into practicality. Okay? How about this? Affirm your commitment often. Verbally affirm your commitment to her often. Tell her you would marry her all over again in a heartbeat. Tell her you are the only one for me and really mean it when you say it. If you know the thought here, stand by your woman. Stand by her. Be her biggest fan. Be, be vocal about that as well, that she's the one for you. It's why I kind of slip in every now and then that I, that I have a smoking hot wife, Okay? Because I want you to know it. Yes, I do, don't I? Yeah. And men, okay, that's uncomfortable. Whoa, whoa. Men, every one of you has a smoking hot wife. You need to say that. You need to let her know that. And you tell other people about it as well. So they know that you're in love with your wife. That's what you do to help that, to let her know that you love her, you care for her, you stand beside her. Let me give you the last thought on this. Prioritize her in your schedule. Put her in there like you would another appointment. Put in a date night into your schedule and keep that as you would another appointment. 
keep it because, boy, your boss will kick you out someday or you will leave that job. But you don't want your wife doing that. Wives, you don't want your husband going down that road. This is so, so important. In fact, I wrote down 10 questions here that was emailed to me and a number of guys here at our church, even our, our staff and some of our other leaders here at the church, came from a wise guy who said, man, um, you need to invest in your wives. And here's what I challenge you to do. And he said, take some time to ask your wives these questions. And so I've just been texting my wife about once a week. We do it maybe every other week, and we go out on, on dates, and I text her the next question. Now, she didn't know what the next ones are. Now she's reading them, isn't she? Yeah, she knows what they are now. I already had some guys stop me on the way, and she said, you, <laughs> one of the guys said, you gave away the questions. I said, I'm sorry. It's just this needs to go across our church. Everyone needs to know about this. And so, men, I challenge you, have a date night for the next 10 weeks. Ask her, email her, text her the question beforehand, let her come up with her answers, and then talk about this as you have a date night together. It will revolutionize your marriage if you do that. Ten weeks of revitalization. One of the guys, when he got the question, said, that sounds like ten weeks of torture. Well, (laughs) the alternative is not real good, though, okay? Share that with one another. And and here's the thing about that. Let let me just go and and share this last concept at, uh, at the bottom of the page. Now this crazy cycle is turned into the energizing cycle. What do I mean by that? Well, the concept there, again, out of the Love and Respect book, is that his love now motivates her respect. And her respect now motivates his love. See how that works? The cycle then continues. His love motivates her respect. Her respect motivates his love. Her respect motivates his love. His love or his love uh, motivates her respect. It goes over and over. Which side do you want to be on? Because it'll go and never end on either side. Do you want it to be the crazy cycle? You want it to be the energizing cycle. Somebody needs to step in there and break a cycle that you're on to get it to this place. And husbands, I'm going to put that one on you. Start loving your wives, and when you do, she'll respect you so that you can love her, so that she'll respect you, so that you can love her. She'll respect you, you love. Don't say, well, I'll do it when she respects me. No, 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 you start. You start. You start. Wives, I would encourage you, if you don't have a husband who's being loving, you go ahead and start. You still be respectful. And here's the wonderful thing about this. In a room this size, I know there are a lot of you who are right now saying, man, I wish I had someone to love me that way, like the Bible says to love. I wish that kind of, I wish I had that. Here's the truth of the matter. You do. Look at what verse 32 says. It says, this is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the what? The church. As Paul weaves this husband and wife relationship together, he then kind of at the end says, wait, 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 but listen, look at this. 
I'm talking about Christ and the church with you. You have this kind of relationship. He's going on parallel tracks here, not just a husband and wife, but he's talking about the love that Christ has for us, the church. I mean, we just sang that song here in the sanctuary. We sang that song about as a bride waiting for her groom. Wow, all throughout Scripture, Revelation 21 talks about that when God joins us again, the bride for the groom, it is in there over and over and over again. And so you've got to know you have that kind of love relationship with Christ. Don't wait to be filled up by your husband. Don't wait to be filled up by your wife. That's a blessing and a benefit that God gives to you, but it begins with his love for you and his filling up of your life from him. Don't place a relationship above that. That's tops. And if you don't know what that means, we're going to take care of that here today. We're going to have you walk into that. And if you've gotten that out of order, I pray you'll make a commitment to get that right. Because that's what this is all about. It's not just the husband and wife. No, this is God's relationship with you. Amen? Let's pray. God, I I realize that what a profound mystery it is that you love us so much. And even as we've been talking about husbands and wives, and Lord, I know there are a number of people here who are not married, and yet I, I appreciate them being able to listen and take notes and perhaps help other people. Maybe it's a son or a daughter or a grandson or a grandchild who they will help along. Lord, Really, this all ends up in the place of saying, God, it's you. It's you who love us this way. It's you who has this wild, passionate relationship for us. And so, God, I'm so thankful that you modeled this in Scripture by giving your life for us, by nurturing a love in us by allowing us to exclusively be in a relationship with you that will never, ever fade, never perish. It will always be there for us, even when we go through difficult times. God, you are always there. Lord, you've chosen us, your bride, to be married to us, to be committed to us. And so, Lord, today we celebrate that. And folks, if there is anybody here today who does not know what that means, let me just go over this very quickly with you. God desires... uh, awesome relationship with you sin got in the way of that there was brokenness and so god sent his son jesus into the world to die for us allowing us to be reconciled back to him allowing us to be in a relationship with him once again and simply by faith and accepting jesus christ as lord and savior we can have a relationship with him and today if if you say you know what i so desire to be loved in that way, and you have not ever received Christ into your life, today just pray those simple words, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life today? I want a relationship with you. You know, God sees that. He sees your heart. This is your first step. You have just taken a step into having a relationship with God. You are now married with him. And just as marriage is not easy, a relationship with him It's not always easy, but you can learn, you can grow, you can develop, you can become his child. The love that he has for you, he gives to everyone who calls him 
Abba Father. Lord, we do that today. I pray for those men and women across this congregation who, Lord, we, we all need the hope and encouragement that you give. We, we want to take steps in being more godly men, being more godly women, being more godly children of yours. And so today we commit to that. Even as a bride loves her groom and a groom loves her bride, even as you have chosen us, we choose you. God, I thank you that when we stick close to you and walk with you, that your word teaches us and your Holy Spirit shows us how to live this faith out. We love you. We thank you. Lord, may we take those steps this week. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.